0: We will continue our sermon tonight with Romans chapter 12. Last week we covered verses 1 and 2 in Romans chapter 12, and that's all the further we got. So let's do a little bit of question um, in review. What is something that those of you that were here or listened um, on the internet... What is something that you learned or maybe it was refreshed in your spirit or impressed upon you? Something that you remember from last week, from those first two verses that we went through. Just shout it out loud so everyone can hear you. I'll tell you one thing that um, spoke to me was how that Paul wrote this to believers. And he told the believers, look, it's important that you fully give yourself as a living sacrifice. And what I saw in that was how that even though you may be a believer, you could live a life that's not fully a living sacrifice to Him. Even though you've made Jesus the Lord of your life and and you've prayed that and, and even you serve Him, but you could not be fully submitted, fully up on the altar as a living sacrifice. That was something that spoke to me. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Say it again. Renewing of the minds. How do we do that? That's good. Um, some of you maybe had difficulty hearing that. So what Gene has said was that, you know, the renewing of the mind. Sometimes we, because we know Scripture, we think we're doing it. We already know it. And so we're not bringing it back and continually renewing ourselves in it. Once and done isn't good enough right? Salvation, as far as your spirit being born again, is a once and done thing. But the renovation of your mind is a continual ongoing thing, right? That was one of the things we looked at last week was that it really, the tense of it is to be being renewed. It's just an ongoing habitual way of life that we continually get our word, our, our mind renewed by the Word of God. And when that lifestyle of renovation of always putting the Word of God into us, it will do something for you. It will help combat pride because pride says I know that already and I don't need to go spend the time to read it again. Or maybe you just read it real fast because I know those verses by heart. I learned them when I was in you know, third grade and have been able to repeat them ever since. So I just read real fast over those verses. And they don't really get in and we get into this place of familiarity with the Scripture that it doesn't become a living thing to us anymore but it becomes something we know mentally. Mental assent versus a heart knowing. Does that make? Does it, Are you understanding? So that is a very important thing. James talked about that, and we read that last week. How that, you know, it's not the hearer of the word. If someone hears the word but doesn't do it, they be, are self-deceived. James said. So it's the hearer and the doer, is that's walking in the blessing and in the renewed lifestyle. Is there anything else? Yeah, the word uh, discern there, prove out, prove it, prove that it works. It's really kind of like a scientific, you know, if you have a a theory about something, then you put the theory to the test, test it, see, is that the will of God? And um, that is a really good, I want to read the first two verses to you out of the J.B. Phillips translation says, with eyes... Actually, I'll read it in this translation first, because this is a little bit more like an amplified version. So, he adds descriptors, and it's not a word for word. So, um, here in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God... Remember, the mercies he's referring to, he's talked about in the last several chapters, but in particular, back in verse 32 in chapter 11, where he says that God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that He may have mercy on... On all. So in view of those mercies, the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect or complete will of God. Here in this translation, it reads this way. This is the New Testament in modern English. It says, With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give Him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to Him and acceptable by Him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remake you so that your whole attitude of mind is changed. Thus you will prove in a practice. Let me re- read that again. Thus you will prove in practice that the will of. Let me start over. I'll get the uh, emphasis right here in a minute. Thus you will prove in practice that the will of God's good, acceptable to him, and perfect. Later, maybe I'll read the rest of the chapter in how it it reads there. Let's go to, um, if you're with me in Romans 12, let's just keep reading here in verse 3 now. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Now there is a lot. There, right? I read over it so fast. Some of you didn't even comprehend near all of that, right? You think about one line, and by the time, I mean, you don't even have time to soak in and really grasp what that line is. And there's another amazingly deep thing that you need to spend time and look at. So, we're gonna maybe cover the whole thing. We'll just go through it, and um, I don't think we're gonna be here for the next two years, but we could be, because each one of these is a subject and a series in and of itself. Let's go back to verse 3. It says, For by the grace given to me... Now, this is important that you understand what he's saying is the word for can also be translated because. So, what he said in verse 1 and 2 laid the groundwork for what he will now say. Alright? So it's stacked upon top of that, or because of what he said in one and two about having a renewed mind and your body presented to the Lord and that you're committed to him and to him only, so that you may walk out the will of God. So he says, For by the grace given to me, in other words, the grace of apostleship to Paul, see, no no one else was the apostle to them. Paul was. Paul was the apostle to them. You know, there's not another pastor in this house that's your pastor of church of the word that's me that's a grace given to me just like there's not two heads of your home that's the grace given to you as the head of your home and so forth and so understand when he when he says by the grace given to me he's speaking by an authority by a grace that is given to him he says i tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think I tell everyone among you, everyone, not to think. Now, here's the literal. The of himself is implied, sort of, and it's not in the original writing. This is how he would read literally. I tell everyone of you not to think more highly than he should think. Not to think more highly of anything than he should think. Let's say it that way. Don't think more highly of anything Any sports team, of yourself, of your favorite, whatever. Car, vehicle, Snickers bar. Don't think more highly of it than you ought to think. Now here's the thing. If you apply it to yourself, which is fair to do, because he is talking to individuals. If you apply it to you, he says don't think of yourself more highly. Notice he didn't say think of yourself as a no good, dirty, rotten scumbag. Okay, let me do this different. If I say to you, don't run faster than you should run, am I implying that either way you're running? Yeah, you're running, just don't run faster than you should run. Like when, they have, when, when they're doing these races, marathons, for example, they have pace runners, pace setters. And these people are people that have run lots and lots of miles and they know, they're very aware of their own gait. And they run at this particular pace. Maybe it's seven minutes a mile, right? And so they're going to run at a seven mile a minute pace and then they'll be identified by the clothes they're wearing and the other runners around them If they want to pace themselves and they go, okay, this is a seven minute a mile runner. I'll run with them so that I can, because that's the pace I run as well. So that'll be a good measure for me. Because when you're in a race, the 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 urge to run too fast in the beginning is real strong. Right, because you're you're fresh, you, you know, you've got all the race day jitters and the adrenaline, and so you go out and you run and you run faster than you you run at a six and a half minute mile pace for the first 13 miles, and then the last 13 miles you're down at nine minutes because you ran too hard in the beginning. All right, all of that to say, if you were talking to the pacer, you'd say, "Don't run faster than you should run." He's running. Just don't run a six minute pace when you're running, supposed to be doing a seven. Because everyone that's running with you will think you're doing a seven and you're running a six. Don't do that. So when he says don't think of yourself more highly than you should think, he's implying you should think of yourself highly. Just don't think more highly. He didn't say think of yourself lowly. See, some would teach that we are just good for nothings, I'm just an old sinner, blah, blah, blah. No, I was an old sinner, saved by grace. Now, I'm a saint. And now, I'm a saint that still needs the blood of Jesus. When I blow it, I'm so grateful that He's given me His righteousness, right? But I'm taking on His identity and leaving the old identity in the grave. So, don't think more highly of yourself than you should think. That's not saying you should think lowly of yourself. No, you are valuable. In fact, you're so valuable that the Lord gave up what was most precious to Him to get you His one and only Son. That's how. That's the value that you carry. And you say, yeah, but really it's the value of Jesus spread out over all of humanity over all time. Well, okay, so let's just say that it takes one drop of blood for you. Do you think one drop of Jesus' blood is pretty valuable? All right, then just stop it. Right? You are as valuable. And if you would have been the only one, I'm convinced he'd have done it for you. If you'd have been the only person on the planet. So the value that you have... Todd White says it this way. He says the value... Your value, no, no, the value of an object is determined by the price paid for it, right? Of the value of a thing is determined by what people are willing to pay for it. I remember having this old truck, and people were saying, oh, you won't be able to get that price for it, and I was asking, I don't know, 4800 for it, and um, I didn't think it was too much. Some people were like, no, you'll never, you'll never get that, that, that thing's, you're asking way too much, it's not worth that, well... Let's let the market decide what it's worth, right? And I got every penny out of it that I'd asked, all of it. So to that person, it was worth the price he paid. Well, you are worth the price God paid for you, which was Jesus. Alright? So don't think more highly. Don't be proud. Because pride is just such a dangerous thing. You get into pride, I mean, that's how the devil became the devil, was pride. He thought more highly of himself, then he ought to think so much so that he thought he'd take God's place. So the flip side of it is, is he's saying, don't do this. Instead, think sensibly. Think in accordance with. With what? Well, think, in a, think sensibly as God has distributed the measure of faith to each one. Think sensibly, or in a line with, the measure of faith that God has distributed to you. Now, there's argument by scholars about whether or not this should be the measure of faith or a measure of faith, and you know it could go both ways as far as literally as looking at deciding is there an a or a the, it solely is up to the translator to decide which, which it should be. I think it should be the measure of faith, and here's why. Faith comes from hearing the Word. That's what we read back in Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith comes up on the inside of it. It comes alive on the inside of us. When you take the Word of God, the rhema Word of God on the inside of you, your faith latches on to that and grows. Okay? That's how faith comes. So let's peel it all the way down. Where does Jesus is the Word, Right? In John, it tells us that the flesh became Word. Jesus, the Word. Faith comes from the Word. Well, we don't get little pieces of Jesus. We got all of Him. The measure. The standard measurement for all of mankind is the fullness of Christ. That doesn't mean you walk in the fullness of what He has for you, but that's the measure that's been given. The measure of Christ. When He climbed up on the cross, He wasn't like, okay, I'm going to give my right arm for this people group, but my little finger for that people group. Because, well, you know, it wasn't like that. He gave all of Himself to all of mankind. That is the measure of faith. Now, there are different levels of faith, right? Depending on what you're walking in. There's also different um, gifts of grace. That He has given to people. One person's grace for this, and others for that. I mean, Paul is a perfect example. He's on his way to Damascus and has an encounter with the Lord. Right? That changes his life and he becomes the Apostle, writes half of the New Testament. So, he had walked in a different level of grace than, let's say, someone else in the church in that day. Both were God's people. Both walked in what the Lord wanted them to walk in. But there's different assignments for each of us. So here, let's continue reading. Instead, instead think sensibly as God has distributed the measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts, actually, let me say this. A renewed mind will not have an exaggerated view of oneself or anything else. Remember, I said what we're reading is built on the foundation of those first two verses. A renewed mind is not going to think more highly of something than it ought to think. Now, as we have many parts, verse 4, in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, this is a theme that is unique to Paul, at least as far as I'm aware. I don't know of any of the other writers that used body analogy like Paul would. And it would come up again and again in his Letters. Of using the body analogy, and and so when you look at your own body, you know you don't your your left hand doesn't decide. But today, I'm just going to go over and do this while the rest of your body's over there. No, you, your individual body parts don't have a voice to say what they will. Or they're taking orders from the head. So as you and I as individual body parts, we each have a unique function and it is vital that we fulfill the function that we've been assigned so the rest of the body can fulfill their function. If my foot decides, yeah, today I'm taking a break against my will, I'm going to have a hard time, the rest of my body is going to have a hard time getting around accomplishing what it's supposed to accomplish, right? Well, today, that's why Paul used this kind of language, is because we're all part of each other. I mean, my foot isn't more important than my knee, right? They're both valuable to my body. My foot isn't more important than my hand. They serve very different functions, right? But they're both valuable. And they should not be measured. Who measures their body parts by comparison to other body parts? You know, well, I've got a favorite hand. Well, i got a favorite ear, you know. Well, okay. I have a favorite nose. There's only one. You guys look at me like, "What?" So, we're one body in Christ. We're individual members of one another. You know, you can separate someone from the body, and the body's still the body. In other words, I could I could cut off my right hand. The rest of my body's still there, but it's missing a piece. The rest of the body pays a price because of the piece that is missing but the rest of the body is still there, still there functioning, it's still in operation. Verse 6, according to the grace, grace is God's abilities given to you, it's God's empowerment, His enablement, His favor upon you to do something. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of the faith. Again, this is a translation disagreement with translators. Some say um, it's of faith. There's no the there. Either way is fine. But in proportion of the faith. You're going to prophesy in accordance to the Word. Let's say it that way. If service, use it in service. Now the word service means to... um, It's really the word where we get the word deacon from. Or the word ministry. And that's what the word means. But it means to serve. Or the first definition of this word is in attendance not as in attending an event but as a waiter attends your table in with that with that context table attendant if service use it in service if teaching is what god's gifted you with then use it in teaching if exhortation or encouraging or or preaching you could say preaching many times is Uh, more motivational than maybe teaching is. Teaching is instruction. Preaching, he says, exhorting in exhortation, giving with generosity. Did you know some people have a grace to give? Financially, that's the grace in their life. Just like a pastor can have the grace to teach or to pastor, someone else can have the grace to give finances. My father-in-law was that way, right? I mean, he, he... I don't know if he could preach a sermon to save his life, but he has a grace and an anointing on his life to give, and to give into missions, and to sow. I mean, he's given millions of dollars because of a grace and a gifting that God's put on his life. One of the things that he always has been really good at doing is he'll always point back to... You know, there's plenty of things that he and I would disagree with theologically. Even on the idea that God wants you rich. He wouldn't be sure if he does or not, but he would be sure of this. He would say, I'm only rich because God made me so. So he, he's always been very, very good at recognizing who the source of the blessing in his life is. And he, and he would say, you know, I'm just a nobody, I, 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 you know, uh, but God has blessed me this way. It's God. And would point to Him. So that's a grace of giving. So here it says, giving with generosity. Or leading with diligence. You know, our leaders, if, if your grace is leading or in administration, or it should be done with diligence, right? Showing mercy, or the word is kindness or compassionate. Showing kindness with cheerfulness. How many know that you could show acts of compassion or kindness, but do it begrudgingly? Okay, fine. I'll help you out. Well, where is the blessing in that, right? Put up um, 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, and let's read what it says there. Similar verses. You know, Paul said similar things in many of his other letters. And we'll look at some of them. We'll read some of them. First Peter 4, and verse 10. Based on the gift each one has received, you all have a gift. It doesn't say based on the gift that a couple of you received. So look at your neighbor and say, you have a gift. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others. Ah, not yourself. Use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. See, there's different graces, different gifts, different abilities. Let's look at verse 11. If anyone speaks... It should be as the one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. I'll turn over there as well and read from this. This is a different list of of graces and gifts that are given. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities or workings, but the same God works all of them in each person. Now this list is different than the one that we just read. There's a few that are the same, but it's in addition to this list. They're not the same. I mean, there's a few that are, but they're not all the same, is what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> in verse uh, 7, uh, verse 6, there are different act- activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. I want you to notice that. It's each person. Say each person. Each person. Verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Now, notice the. The connection there again. Every person, but for the service of others. For others' good. For the common good of everyone. To one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. So it's not as we will, it's as He desires it to be. But we know this much, each person can walk in these things, or several, or one, or at least one. We know that. At least one. Each person can do at least one of these have to stay sensitive to the Lord and work with Him and yield to Him. The more you yield to Him, the more you'll walk in these. And then he goes on, verses 12-24, through 24, talking about how there's different body parts. And, and he just goes into much more detail than what he did in Romans about how one body part can't say, I'm better than another, and all of that. Alright, look in Ephesians chapter 4. Here's, here's another partial list of Graces, 4 and verse... I'm going to start in verse 1, but we'll skip some verses in a bit. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Doesn't this sound a a whole lot like what we read in Romans today? Romans 12. Many of the same principles. Verse 7, he says, Now the grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then if you look down in verse 11, it says, And he himself, talking of Christ." He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. So here are some graces, some more that we can add to that list that Jesus gave for, it's not to serve themselves, it's it's to serve the body until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into a mature man. I'm sorry, I missed a verse. Let's go back to verse 12. This is what Those graces, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and apostle were given to do. To equip the saints, so serving the saints, for the work of ministry or the work of service. To build up the body of Christ. So see, it's not about them. It's a gift that God gave to you, the people. Just like the list in chapter 12. It's a gift that God gave to serve people. Just like the gifts that are in Romans chapter 12. Gifts that He gave to serve people, to serve His people. And then the results of it are in in 13, 14, 15, and 16. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, he's the one who puts the body as he wills, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So we all have a part, and we all have a proper working. All right, let's look at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. This word love is the word agape. It's the God kind of love. This love is not about feels. It's not about, oh, I feel so loving. It is a choice to love. A decision that you made to love. That's what agape love is. And it's a love that doesn't have conditions. Right? It's regardless of your reaction to it, that love is given to you. It's yours. It belongs to you. It's God's kind of love. So he's saying, let agape love be without hypocrisy. In other words, it shouldn't be fake. Most times when we get tempted to think that we're being fake is because we make a dis- quality to decision on an issue, but our feelings aren't lining up with our decision. And so then, then the enemy comes and goes, oh, you're being fake. That's not fake. Your feelings are not the real deal they're temporary they change they're like the gas gauge always moving or maybe i should say the speedometer they're just all over the place one day good another day bad don't pay that much attention to your feelings they can be an indicator on your dashboard of some things right but they don't determine your reality your choices are what determine your reality You are going to be judged on your choices, not on your feelings. We will give an account for what we do in life, not for what we felt in life. Okay? So your feelings aren't counting. In a bit, he's going to talk about the love kind of feeling deal. And he's going to say how we should walk in that. But this part, he's saying, let your choice to love be without hypocrisy. In other words, it shouldn't be fake. And by being fake, it means I'm doing, I'm, I'm pretending to make the choice to love, but I'm really not going to. So to others, it looks like agape love, but you decide, no, I'm not going to do it. So that would be in hypocrisy. That would be fake. He goes on and he says, detest evil. This word, detest, it means abhor. I mean, it means, I mean, it is like extremely strong language. Detest evil. It's not something that we. Have just a small dislike for. You understand? It's like an intense hatred for. Detest it. I want to read to you. I forgot to prepare this thing, so if you'll give me a few seconds to do so. We're in verse 9. Alright, I'm going to read to you the Strong's definition Of evil. Hate evil. Despise this thing. I mean detest it. Abhor it. This kind of evil. It means hurtful. Interesting. Hurtful. That is evil. Properly in effect or influence. And it means calamitous. Something that's calamitous. Or also ill. That is diseased. We shouldn't like disease. Don't allow any kind of sickness or disease that you're dealing with to be your identity. You know, Jesus, it says that He despised the shame of going to the cross. He never took the identity of... He didn't... He didn't. Yeah, okay, fine. Yes, I'm sin. Yay, sin! No, He didn't do that, right? He despised the shame, but He had His eyes set on what was on the other side of it. He had His eyes set and for the prize that was in front of him, he, he went for that, right? So don't fall in love if you're dealing with a sickness or a, a, an incapacity of some kind. Just hate the disease, love the truth. It says, um, anything that's derelict or vicious or finisherous, I have no idea what that means, it doesn't sound good. Mischief, malice, guilt, the devil... Sinners, bad, evil, grievous, harm, lewd, malicious, wickedness. That's what that, All those things are things that we should hate. And when it says sinners, obviously it doesn't mean hate the person, but it's saying to hate the, the sin or the evilness of the sinful action. So detest that. Again, he's telling you something. Don't do this, do this. What's the part we're supposed to do? Cling. To what is good. Cling to what is good. That word cling means to stick like glue. Stick like glue. Cleave to it. Like you're glued to it. And that word for definition for good is really easy. Anything that's good. Well, remember Jesus said, "There's there's a pretty easy way to define good and evil. I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly, but Satan the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. Put up on the screen Psalms 97.10. 97.10. There's some more Scriptures about hating evil and what happens when we do. You who love the Lord hate evil. I mean, do we hate evil? Or do we have we become like the frog in the boiling pot, accustomed to evil? And so we're like, yeah, part of life. I mean we're gonna bump into it everywhere we go. As long as you're walking this earth, you're gonna be rubbing elbows with evil. But don't love it. Hate it. It says He protects the lives of His godly ones, He rescues them from the hand of the wicked. Let's look at Proverbs Let's look at Proverbs eight, thirteen. Eight and verse thirteen. And then we'll go to Psalms forty five after that. So Proverbs 8.13 To fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. So having a healthy respect and reverence for the Lord and for His Word is what would cause you to then abhor the thing which would come against His Word. He says, I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, and perverse speech. Look at Psalms 45, verse 7. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of joy more than your companions. Now, this is talking about Jesus. is prophesying about Jesus in the future. In fact, this is quoted in Hebrews 1, verse 9. And it's quoted about Jesus in Hebrews 1. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. This was what Jesus did. He hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, the Father, has anointed Jesus with the oil of joy more than his companions. So, hating wickedness and loving righteousness will do that for you. All right, back to Romans 12 9. Let agape love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good. Verse 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Love one another deeply. This is, I like how the Holman reads. If you look at the screen, it says, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. That's what, this is the phileo kind of love. The love that has all the feels, all the soul ties, all the you know connection in that realm it's the love that you the kinship love the the family kind of love family affection right i mean me and my sister growing up i loved her we loved each other but we fought a lot too right there was days that i didn't like her but i still loved her see that's what phileo love will do for you you still have that that family affection And then it says, but use, use brotherly love. That's the word Philadelphia. Brotherly love. Love like a brother. Treat him like family. Then he goes on and he says, take the lead in honoring one another. Or, as the Holman says, outdo one another in showing honor. Take the lead. Or lead by example, we could read. Lead by example in honoring one another. Don't wait for them to honor you and say, okay, you honor... No, no, no. You lead in doing the honoring. You know, when we're talking in these family relationships, there's where now rubber meets the road. One person wrongs the other person, but they both think the other one's wrong, right? Because... And so after they come and apologize... After they do the right thing, then we can forgive this and release this. No, that's not what he's saying, is it? He's saying, you lead the way in honoring one another. Also, the interesting thing about the word honor is it means value or money paid. Did you know that's one of the ways you can honor people is money in, in showing value? I mean, how many of you have gotten a card for your birthday or for an anniversary, or an appreciation card. And that card means a lot to you, right? But I'll bet the thing you remember more than that card is the $100 bill that was inside of it. Their appreciation, honor of you, was just made real. It wasn't just words anymore, but there was action involved to it, right? So take the lead in honoring each other. Verse 11, do not... Today, this became my new favorite verse in the Bible, and I'll explain why in a moment. It says, do not lack diligence in zeal. Here is the most literal translation of that saying. Do not be slow in speed. I'm like, yes! I've found a verse finally! Do not be slow in speed! I can do that! Do not lack diligence. That lack diligence means to be sluggish or tardy or slow. Don't be sluggish. Don't be slow. Don't be, don't be tardy in, in speed. Don't be slow in speed to do all these things. In your zeal, right? Don't be slow in doing these. It's not talking about speeding on the highway. I joke a lot about that because it makes us laugh. You know, the other day someone said, you know, now every time I speed, I think of Pastor Sid. I'm like, oh no. I have to change my preaching now. (laughs) Look, I am not in any way, shape, or form encouraging you to speed or telling you that it's okay to speed. See, in my past life, I used to speed a lot and I got a lot of traffic tickets in my past life. I don't get traffic tickets anymore. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> it's good to smile alright do not lack diligence don't be slow in, in being full of zeal and then it goes on and elaborates on this and it says be fervent in spirit be fervent in spirit in your spirit your spirit man you're born again spirit on the inside not the spirit some translations add the spirit but it's not there be fervent in spirit the word fervent means To boil if it's water or liquid, or to glow if it's a metal. Glow in spirit. Or be boiling, be active in spirit. Be fervent in spirit. Don't be some cold, dead Christian. I mean, if we really are supposed to be the light of the world, we need to be glowing, don't we? And that's... That's everything that he's saying through here is coming back to that. Who are we representing? Why are we here? What are we doing? And then he just ends, finishes that statement with this serve the Lord. It's to the Lord, it's unto him. By doing it to each other, by being glowing in spirit, full of zeal, taking the lead in honoring each other, loving as family. Hating evil, loving, sticking to what's good. Serving with diligence and kindness and cheerfulness and generosity and leading and teaching and exhorting and faith and service, all of it. Verse 12, Rejoice in hope. Or we could say, be cheerfully expectant. The word rejoice has an interesting meaning. I spent all afternoon looking at meanings of words, if you can't tell. The word rejoice has an interesting meaning because it means to be calmly cheerful. That's not the dancing, shouting rejoice. It's being calmly cheerful. Or as it says, cheerfully expectant. Rejoice in hope. Your hope, we we should have hope because, I mean we should have joy because of our hope. It says be patient in affliction. Enduring. Patient. in in affliction or in pressure. You know, that's like great, Paul. You had to say that one. Because when is the most difficult time to be patient in endurance? It's when the pressure is the greatest. Anyone can be patient when it doesn't require any. But when the pressure builds and builds and builds, that's when we need to be patiently enduring. Be persistent in prayer. Again, it's not a once and done thing. We live a lifestyle of it. Persistent in prayer. Put verse... um, Actually, let's go to Galatians 5.13 up on the screen. Let's look at a few other places where Paul wrote similar things. 5.13 in the book of Galatians. And then we'll go to Ephesians 6. So Galatians 5.13, For you were called to be free. Called to be free. I'm sure glad we've been called to be free. It says, Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for yourself, for flesh, for selfishness. But serve one another through love. Serve one another through love. Okay, let's look at Ephesians 6, verses 6 and 7. Ephesians 6.6, 6, don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Render service with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to men. To the Lord and not to men. You know, there's a lot of people that in this, in this house serve to make any service happen There's a lot of people that during the week are serving others. Please, please, please remember that it's to the Lord. Yeah, it's on a horizontal level, but He's the one who receives it. Because if you'll do it as unto the Lord, I'm confident in you that it'll be with greater excellence. It'll be with greater patience. It'll be with greater diligence and more zeal. Right? I mean, if, if, your brother or si- if you wash your brother or sister's car, you might do it with a certain level of zeal. But if you wash Jesus' car, man, you're probably going to wax it when you're done washing it. I mean, you're going to make sure it's good. So this is the mindset that we ought to have as we do all of these things. It's unto the Lord. Verse 13. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. This word is, is chase. It's actually the word persecute. Persecute hospitality. Meaning you are like chicken on a bug going after it. Right? You are persecuting hospitality. We could say it another way. Maybe this would be a little bit closer to the heart of what he's trying to say. Show hospitality to the persecuted. That's usually not how it's translated. But the word hospitality in particular means strangers. You know, there's plenty of persecuted strangers around the world. And in our nation, in our time, in our country, we have hotels. We've got all kinds of ways to put people up. And and the hospitality businesses are everywhere. But in their time, it wasn't that way. And in plenty of countries, it's not that way. You can't just go down to the corner and get a hotel and stay the night. And so, in this particular thing, he, I believe he's trying to say that, you know, share with the saints in need and seek out showing hospitality to the persecuted. Because of what he says next, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not Curse. Bless means to, to pray or invoke a blessing on them, to with your mouth declare blessing over them. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what most times we want to do, isn't it? Like, how dare they? No, we're supposed to pray a blessing. You know, that'll do just amazing things for your heart. Someone wrongs you, and then you pray that God blesses them. Don't hold it against them. Be good to them, Lord. Man, it just melts. The places where He was trying to plant seeds of bitterness in your heart. And you go away from being free of it. Having released it. Bless. Pray a blessing on those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. One guy said, you know, instead of cursing the darkness, just turn on the light. That's good. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Or do not mind high things. Do not be high-minded. Instead, go along with the humble. Go along with the lowly is really what it says. Go along with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. I think I'm going to pause there. And we'll pick up here in this portion the next time we're in Romans. But what I do want to finish with is I'd like to read out of the Modern English Revised Edition. uh, The rest of the chapter here, I'll start in verse 3. As your spiritual teacher, I, by the grace God gave me, give this advice to each one of you. Don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance. But try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you all. For just as you have many members in one physical body, and those members differ in their functions, so we, though many in number, compose one body in Christ, and are all members to one another. Through the grace of God, we have different gifts. If our gift is preaching, let us preach to the limit of our vision. If it is serving others, let us concentrate on our service. If it is teaching, let us give all we have to our teaching. And if our gift be the stimulating of the faith of others, let us set ourselves to it. Let the man who is called to give, give freely. Let the man in authority work with enthusiasm. And let the man who feels sympathy for his fellows in distress help them cheerfully. Worship team, you can come up. Just listen as you come. Verse 9: Let us have no imitation Christ love, Christian love. Let us have no imitation Christian love. Let us have a genuine hatred for evil and a real devotion to good. Let us have real warm affection for one another as between brothers and a willingness to let the other man have the credit. Let us not allow slackness to spoil our work and let us keep the fires of the Spirit burning as we do our work for the Lord. Base your happiness on your hope in Christ. That's a really, really good line. It doesn't say on your circumstances. Base your happiness on your hope in Christ. Rejoice in hope. When trials come, endure them patiently, steadfastly maintain the habit of prayer. Give freely to fellow Christians in want, never grudging a meal or a bed to those who need them. And as for those who try to make your life a misery, bless them. Don't curse, bless. Share the happiness of those who are happy and the sorrow of those who are sad. Live in harmony with each other. Don't become snobbish, but take a real interest in ordinary people. Don't become set in your own opinions. Don't pay back a bad turn by bad turn to anyone. See that your public behavior is above criticism. As far as your responsibility goes, live at peace with everyone. Never take vengeance into your own hands, my dear friends. Stand back and let God punish if He will. For it is written, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And it's also written, If... Thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Don't allow yourself to be overpowered by evil. Take the offensive. Overpower evil with good. I like that. And we'll get more into that in the next time we teach on, in Romans. But I like how he says, take the offensive. How do we take the offensive? We overpower evil with good, with kindness, with the goodness of God, because it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, not the curse. Right? All right, stand with me if you will. A renewed mind will result in a person who walks in love, walks in service, walks in diligence, is on fire for the Lord. If you feel like, man, I just don't feel like I'm on fire for the Lord, I need revival, a renewed mind. Go back to consecrating yourself to the Lord, getting into the Word and allowing it to rebuild your thinking. To build anew your thinking. And with that renewed mind, something will just naturally begin to flow out of it. It's the the fruit of the Spirit. Not the gifts. The fruit of the Spirit. And what you do will be with the understanding that it's to the Lord. And so then you'll bring your best to everything that you do. Father, I thank you that you would shine your light in our heart tonight. That you illuminate your word and that what we've read that as we go this week that you would continue to bring it back to our remembrance. Stir us with your word, with By Your Spirit, bring to our awareness where we're not walking in these things or where we could expand and go further into these things. Lord, we we hate evil. Give us a heart that loves good. Like David said, try me and see me. See if there be any wicked way in me, Lord. We just want to present all our ways before You. And fully consecrate ourselves and commit ourselves to You. And and allow You to rebuild our thinking from the inside out. So that these, these gifts, these graces, these fruits will just flow out of us in an organic way from You the Source. In Jesus' name. You know, you cannot give what you don't have. This is why it's so important to have a renewed mind. Because when your mind is renewed, the Lord on the inside of you is recreating Himself, His image in you, causing you to look and act and think and work like Him. You know, one of the first things you'll notice, you begin to pay attention in scriptures you read. When a person becomes born again, you look at the next thing they do. Like you just read through Acts, and when people would get saved, what's the next thing those people would do? And an example of this is remember in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas are in prison and they're singing and then the earthquake comes and everyone's set free. The jailer's about to kill himself and he's like, no, 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 wait, wait, we're all here. And so he comes in, he asks for a light and he says, what must I do to be saved? And so they explain the way of salvation to him and he he and his whole household, it says, become born again. They become baptized. And what is the first thing that he does? He begins to serve Paul and Silas. And He dresses their wounds. And He brings them into His home. And He feeds them. And He gives them a bed to sleep in. And you'll see this again and again through Scriptures. When a person becomes born again, when the Spirit of Christ is on the inside of them, their first instinct is to serve. To serve. So make make this a lifestyle a way of being, not because we're just doing something, but because it flows out of the renewed, born-again spirit within you.
1: Jesus, Jesus.
0: Lord, we bless you and thank you for being good in every way. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given to us in our bodies. Thank you for the blessing of healing. For all the times you've healed us or or saved us from some sickness or all the times you protected us from things we're not even aware of. Thank you for that. Thank you, Father, for healing us in our soul in places where we've needed it, where we've had hurts or or where things just needed to touch from You. For all those times in the past, Lord, I bless You. Thank You for touching us in that way. Thank You for giving Your blood to us and redeeming us and giving us life eternal, that we can come to You boldly anytime, anywhere, and that we can be called Your children and Your friend. Thank You, Lord. Father, thank You for giving me this church family. Thank you for giving me these brothers and sisters. Lord, I ask you to bless them. Each and every person here, every person listening on the internet. Lord, that you bless them in a special way that's unique to them, unique to you, but undeniably you, Lord. And that anyone watching would be able to see there is a blesser in heaven that is alive and is real. I thank You for this, Lord. I thank You that You stir in our spirit this week a a grateful heart, a heart of thanksgiving would continually well up within us and that we would be mindful of You in every good and perfect way, every gift You've given us, every good gift, every perfect gift. I thank You for it in Jesus' name and amen. I want to close with a scripture in Philippians. This will go along with the sermon. And it kind of just sums up everything we've been talking about. He says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, have the same love, unite in spirit, intent on one purpose do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves everyone should look not to his own interests but rather to the interests of others adopt the same attitude as that of christ jesus who existed in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited instead he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity and when he had come as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross for this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name and listen friends if he would do it for him, Christ he'll do it for you It says, He exalted Him and gave Him a name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. How? By holding firm to the word of life. Holding firm to the word of life. So as you go this week, hold firm to the word, the living word. And all of these things will flow out of you in an an organic and real way. And you will be the light that Jesus prophesied about you. And you may go. Be the light. Oh, um, a remi- a, we do not have a time of food fellowship downstairs, but we do have a time of love and fellowship tonight.
1: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Computer or not, we can praise the Lord, right? Amen. Well, I'd like to encourage you tonight. I was thinking of Thanksgiving weekend and Psalms 100, just neon light. It's such a classic, isn't it? You probably all know by heart. Psalms 100 make a joyful noise unto the Lord shout to the Lord all you lands serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know that the Lord he is God it is he who has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pastor Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever and his truth endures to all generation. Those are three things that God will never change in. He is a good, good God. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures forever. That's a solid absolute that we all know with our one true, one and only God. So tonight, Thanksgiving weekend, which really is a day that we should all live a way of life of thanksgiving unto the Lord. We have so much to be thankful for. Let's all stand together as family tonight And make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. Creating us, thank you for calling us by name. Thank you for placing your love within each one of us that it's shed abroad in our heart. Thank you for Jesus, Jesus, the living Word of God. Jesus, Jesus, thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for obeying the will of the Father. Thank you that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Father, we are so grateful tonight. We have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for the Holy Spirit here tonight. The very presence of God. Lord, we just open up our hearts to you tonight. We surrender. We submit. Have your way. Have your way in our hearts, our souls, our bodies. We expect the gifts of the Spirit to follow the teaching of the Word tonight. You promised us that, Father. So our expectancy is out. As we bless you and worship you and celebrate you and honor you and adore you tonight, we thank you, Father, for meeting us. We thank you, Father. We are so grateful for your presence, Jesus. Have your way. We give you all the praise and all the glory for what you, who you are and what you want to do tonight in our midst. We're here, and we love and celebrate you. Have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one way we express that love that's been shed abroad in our heart is by loving one another, the family of God. So turn to someone tonight and tell them, I love you, and I'm so glad that you're here. Bless them.
2: Well, I'd like you to um, invite you to find your seat. We have a couple of announcements tonight. So we are still looking for a few winter coat donations for our CityGate team to give out men's medium or large. If you are uh, interested and willing in donating a men's winter coat, there is a sign-up sheet in the back. If you would please sign your name, that would be great. Also. If you would like to donate wool socks or winter gloves, there is a basket in the lobby and CityGate would be very appreciative of those donations to give out for the winter coming up. We are also going to be having our Christmas outreach. It's the same as last year because there's a great need again for baby diapers, baby wipes, and formula. These will all be distributed through the Align Pregnancy Services. And there also is a box for your giving and your donations in the back for that as well. So we thank you so much for your giving in that. We also have our Christmas party of 2022 coming up. It's going to be here at CWI the building on December 18th and it will start at 4 o'clock p.m. but we are requiring a sign up so that we are prepared with a seat for you so please be do sure to sign up there's a sign up in the back on the back table and also please mark your calendars. Christmas Eve service is going to be on Saturday, December 24th, but the time has been moved up to 4 o'clock p.m., so please make sure you note that. We will not be meeting at 6 that day. It will be 4 o'clock p.m. So with that, I would like to invite Troy up for our tithe message.
3: Good evening, everyone. It's good to be up here to be able to see all of your smiling faces at the same time. And what was really cool this evening was when Karen opened the service, um, she was talking about Thanksgiving and the Lord put on my heart to talk about Thanksgiving. And then you continued to talk about Thanksgiving and almost gave away the stuff I was going to say, but that's okay. We should be thanking the Lord every day. Thanksgiving is not a one day event in a Christian's life. A Thanksgiving is an everyday event in our lives. The little things and the big things, everything in, in between, we should be thanking God for. What's really neat is I have a friend over in, in, in Ghana. His name is Samuel Afoul. I've known him for a number of years. And Samuel put on Facebook a, a, a post that talked about Thanksgiving. They don't even celebrate it over there. Not as an event like we did, but he knows that we do. And he has lots of friends here that needed to hear this. And you do too. Thanksgiving is recognition of what God has done. Praise is linked to who God is. You talked about praise this morning as well. As we, this evening, I always forget what it is, morning, evening, it doesn't matter. I'm retired. It doesn't make any difference to me. Okay, let me start again. Thanksgiving is recognition of what God has done. Praise is linked to who God is. As we thank God for specific blessings, we gain a better perspective of his character. And then he can more fully, we, pardon me, can more fully praise Him for who He really is. Thanksgiving and praise remind you and me just how powerful our God is. He is the creator of the whole world, the universe. Nothing is beneath His notice. Nothing. Not that time that you say, thank you God for that Snickers bar. Thank you God for getting me into the front of the line. Nothing. It helps us to refocus our attention on the one who is greater than every challenge. Just read through King David's Psalms. Time and again, he wrote of his troubles and of God's glorious power. He was refocusing his attention on the one who had all the answers to his troubles. And so, dwelling on our blessings and thanking God for what he has done helps us grow in knowledge of who he is. As we praise him for who he is today and every day, our relationship with him and our trust in him is strengthened it is an honor for us to lift our voices and to praise the lord thanksgiving and praising go together now giving is an ideal way because that's why i'm really up here giving is an ideal way to thank god for all that he's blessed us with it's also an act of obedience to his command isn't it yes there are so many ways that giving can be accomplished but when it comes to tithes and offerings Aren't you glad that our first fruits are represented by dollars, money, not sheep, cows, chickens, goats, grain, and so much more? Because in other parts of the world, many people actually give their first fruits that way. What would our pastor and the people in our leadership here at church do with a goat? Well, we might, the pastor might put it in a smoker. And, well, anyway, <laughs> but that's not really the point. So we are blessed to live where we do and be able to present our tithes and offerings to the church each time we come. Today we have the privilege of saying thank you to our king by giving our tithes and offerings. And and by singing praises to him for all that he's blessed us with in our lives. Now when giving today, remember what it says in Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'm not done yet. I'd like to tell you a quick story. Do I have time for a quick story? Okay. So my wife actually was the one who came up with this. She said to me one day, I want to test the Lord for what he says in Malachi. I said, what do you mean, honey? She said, I want to test the Lord and not in a bad way. She knows that he, he does what he says and that the word is what it is. But she wanted to put him to the test just like it says there. So she doubled our tithe. So whatever we were supposed to give 10%, she doubled our tithe. And I'm not giving away my blessing by just saying this. I'm just telling you what happens. So she did that. God gave us more. He tripled what she earned. So she gave more. He continued to increase, increase what she was earning. And me as well. Why? I'm retired. I have what's supposed to be an income that doesn't change any longer. Okay, but it did. <laughs> God kept on giving back and blessing. I'm telling and asking each and every one of you, if you haven't taken that seriously, what you see in Malachi, and testing the Lord, and by paying your tithes, and by giving offerings, start today. Start today. He will bless you immensely. And by the way, it's not all money. There's a lot of other ways that he blesses us. So let's put him to the test today. I almost forgot, if you need an envelope for cash giving, please raise your hand and our ushers will get you one. This will also give you an opportunity to think about, what am I going to do today? How am I going to test the Lord? He will bless you. So Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for giving us this opportunity to give, giving us an opportunity to know that we are blessed and thank you for all that you've done for us. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you and we say, God, we look for what you want us to do and to do what you want us to do, what the word tells us to do. and It tells us that we need to bring our tithes into the storehouse and we need to also give and give and give, and you will bless us immensely. We thank you for what is yet to come in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Isn't life a lot easier with handling finances rather than livestock? I was raised on a farm, I know. We uh, had beef cows, and we had thousands of chickens, and Turkey, not thousands of turkeys, but we had a bunch of turkeys and geese and sheep, and we had the largest ostrich farm my grandparents did in uh, in the state of Missouri. And so we, our, our farming experience, plus we made custom, we did uh, hay baling, haymaking, and so my farm experience was fairly vast and a lot of different animals, a lot of different ways. And and I'm telling you that it's a whole lot easier to handle finances than it is those animals. I think Aaron will agree, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Alright, we're going to uh, take the, another offering. And if you're new with us tonight, and you're, and you're wondering, well, what's with all the offerings? This is what we do is every night. We just back-to-back just keep taking offerings. No, that's not true at all. The last service of every month, we take a special missions offering and so those of you that belong here you know that you come prepared for that if you're new with us that's why we're taking a second offering right now and what that missions offering is it goes all, all around the world anywhere you sit, want it to go you just designate it on your check or on the envelope on uh, where you want it to go if it's just general mission you can just leave it blank or write that on it and we'll get it into the general mission now we have people that we support in Iraq in Turkey And really, you just look up at the flags, and in many of the flags that are up here, not quite all of them anymore, but we send money to on a regular basis. And the work that the Lord's doing in those places, let me say it differently, the work that you're doing in those places, right, the Lord's doing it through you, um, you have a part, and I want you to put your faith to reaping on what you've already done. And obviously that's not the goal of what we're doing. The goal of what we're doing is because we love the Lord and we want to work with Him. The benefit is that He blesses us because of it. I'm going to read to you out of Ezra. And by the way, if you need an uh, envelope for your missions giving, raise your hand Our ushers will bring one to you. Keep your hands up till we see you. <clears throat> I'm going to read to you out of Ezra. Do you remember um, even going back to Moses when the Lord gave Moses instructions to build the tabernacle? Now was that the Lord's work? Yeah, I mean, he instructed them, you do this, right? And then it says that the Lord put it on people's heart to give certain amounts. The Lord gave certain people um, skills to be able to build things, sow things, and, and make things. And like all these people came together with the graces God had given them to accomplish his purpose. Well, later you see the exact same thing happen when the temple gets built with King Solomon. Again, the exact same thing happens. People are graced with the abilities to do and build things and with finances and on and on. Well, fast forward through the years, they disobey. The temple gets destroyed. All the gold utensils, everything silver in the temple gets carried away into Babylon. And now, all these years later, um, they are getting sent, some of the remnant of people are getting sent back to rebuild the temple back in their land that they've only heard about, haven't been there, right? And what happens? King? I'm going to read in chapter 1 just a few verses. In verse 1, this give you a timeline or a context. It says, "...in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom." And to put it in writing. And so he writes this proclamation. And gives an order for the people to go back. And to fulfill what the Lord had put on them to do. Verse 4. He says let every survivor wherever he resides. Be assisted by the men of that region. With silver, gold, goods and livestock. Along with a free will offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. Notice the free will part. That means if. And as they were willing. Nobody was compelled. There was no compulsion here. It was as they were moved by the Lord to do so. And as they wanted to. And as they willed it to be. Verse 5 says, So the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, along with the priests and Levites, everyone whose spirit God had roused, prepared to go up and rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem. And this is what they did. They went... They built it. Now they faced opposition. It even got shut down for a long period of time, until some people said, "We've had enough of this, and we're gonna." Because see, some of the people in the land didn't like this, and they arranged to have it stopped through the government. And sound familiar? Yeah. And some of them rose up and said, "You know what? We're gonna build this thing anyway." And so they get wind of it. They come back and they look. Sure enough, they're building the house of God. What's going on? So they go and tell the the king over there. Right? Send a letter to him. And the response came back, you know, what we told them to do this. And so the favor of God was on them. What I want you and I to grab a hold of tonight when, I, when we look at this is that there's a key phrase. Everyone whose spirit God had roused. Everyone whose spirit that the Lord had stirred, we might say. And I know that the Lord has stirred some of you in spirit to connect with certain ministries around the world, wherever they are. And I want to encourage you in that. That some days it's, um, how would I say, the first day that you're stirred in it, man, you're full of desire and vision and vim and vigor, right? To accomplish what the Lord's put in your heart. You've got that first day attitude. But once you get to day 200 and 300 and and year 5 and year 6, if the Lord hasn't told you anything different, the stirring that He put in your heart, maybe it begins to wear off. Maybe we become unaware of it. Maybe the cares of life begin to weigh in on us. And you know, we have this issue and that problem, and we've got fires on that burner, and this burner isn't even working anymore, and we're trying to manage the stovetop, right? We're just busy as all can be. And we begin to let slip what the Lord had stirred and put into our heart. And so I want to encourage you with the different places that you've partnered with, Um, the different mission work around the world, even those that are locally or in this nation, that before you walk away and say, you know what, I'm not going to support them anymore, check in with the Lord. Lord, is it still your will that I continue that work with them? Or do you have another plan for, for my finances? And allow Him to direct it. Allow Him to put the desire in your heart. And you'll come away either convinced, yep, I'm supposed to move on, or convinced, you know what, I need to stay hooked up with them. They need my help. The work that I'm doing through them and my finances are doing in that region is, is accomplishing the purposes of God. So I'll just encourage you in that tonight to not let go of what the Lord has stirred you in. And, you know, when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, that includes all of every part of us, even though He has given us, there's the, your finances belong to you, they don't belong to Him. He's given that to you. It's up to you what you commit back to Him, right? Of course, the 10% belongs to Him, so you don't get to decide on that one, or you shouldn't, right? That That's His. But above and beyond that, offering what you, what you commit to Him is up to you. So, do it with a, uh, if you do it, it's a free will thing, and then do it in faith. So take a hold of your mission offering tonight, and let's pray over it. Lord, I thank You that You, long ago, had a purpose and a plan for this world. And that You, in Your vision and foresight, You brought Jesus and, and gave Him for the payment of mankind, that we might be Yours again. So we're grateful for that, Lord, and we don't want to ever lose sight of our purpose here on this planet, and, and we, You've brought us into this time and season. And for your purposes, Lord, so we submit ourselves to you, to your will, to your plan, to your vision. I say, Father, make your plan and vision plain to us, individually, also corporately, that we might walk in step with you, accomplishing everything that you want to do here in Pennsylvania, here in the United States, and all around the world in every country that you've stirred our heart in. I thank you for this. I ask you for, for, for even more confirmations of the places that you've hooked us up with, that you would stir in our heart what you want us to do, and we just commit to yielding to you. In everything, in Jesus' name and amen. Where the ushers can wait on the people, so to the Lord.